everyone. This is Brian Wampler with another episode of the Chasing Tone podcast, the podcast where we talk about guitars, amps, effects, as well as, well as uh, a lot of off-topic discussions. So today I'm going to do something quite a bit different than what I normally do. I'm having a, a good friend of mine named Hayden Baker on here. Um, if you don't know who Hayden Baker is, he's a young up-and-coming artist who is a fantastic guitar player. He's also a singer, has a great band, based out of Texas, but he's a monster player, and uh, he's getting a lot of uh, notoriety lately. And, and um, yeah, anyway, so I hooked up with him at a Brad Paisley show, got to know him pretty well, and um, this is basically a conversation with him. So let's jump into it right now. Hayden Baker, how you doing, man? What's up, Brian? Good to talk to you. You too. So uh, I was I was trying to think back before we got on here. I was thinking, where was it I first met Hayden? And it was I think it was Instagram, right? I, mean, I met you at the Brad Paisley show. Brad Paisley but, and, and Nam, right? Yeah. And Nam, yes, yes. That's when right when Brent Mason got kicked out of your booth. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I forgot you were there whenever um, the the Nam police were giving us a, a lot of problems and trying to hassle us. And, yeah. In fact, I think like the first video that's on Instagram was the one that was off my phone that y'all posted. That's right. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that was, I was hilarious, man. I was actually going to do like this big video about Nam Police and how Nam is completely pointless, and you can't even do uh -huh. any, you can't do anything in a booth unless you're like Fender yeah. Yeah, or you someone. Sent who, that. You sent that unlisted video to me, <laughs> and I thought about like this is all so negative. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to be like one of those guys who just had uh, post negative video after negative video, right? You know? <laughs> and then your entire audience is a bunch of negative people <laughs> you can't be having that man yeah, that, was, that like, was that was funny though that was a good time <laughs> that was pretty funny but yeah so, i think but, it, i think it was instagram um i don't remember what it was oh it was this is a video uh when i first met brad and he was signing the paisley drive on instagram oh, and i think yeah. i think y'all commented on it or you did or something like that yeah, it was me. Yeah, yeah, I remember that now. I totally forgot about it. So, yeah. what was what was that situation? How how did you get there? Well, man, so I started becoming a fan of Brad's uh, pretty much like a year into playing guitar when I was about seventeen. I saw him at the Houston Rodeo, and I just got hooked on his. You know, looks just like we all do when we listen to him play. It's just unreal. And I decided I wanted to learn to play like that and started into it. And it started to fall in under my fingers pretty easily. And, you know, after a few years of doing it, I was pretty much hooked on anything Brad Paisley guitar related. And then when I got to uh, Houston Baptist University last uh, fall, I was playing baseball there. And it turned out, this is God right here. This um, An HBU softball player is best friends with Brad's tour manager's daughter. So... When we were, when I was there, when we first talked and she was like, yeah, maybe I can get you a signed t-shirt. And I was like, okay, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. So she got me the t-shirt and I asked her, I was like, Hey, can I get your friend's information so I can tell her, thank you, the tour manager's daughter. And so I texted her and she was like, yeah, um, no problem. You should come out and see us at the San Antonio rodeo. I'm sure Brad would love to meet you. And I was like, you mean I would love to meet Brad? And she was like, no, no, no. He, he knows who you are. He follows you. He like watches your stuff. I was like, are you kidding me? Well, then like <laughs> a few weeks later, he released the song bucked off. Yeah. 
and I posted the solo on my Instagram covering it like the day of, and, uh, he followed me that night on Instagram and then reposted it on his page. And I was like, That's Oh wow, right. he actually yeah. is paying attention. And so <laughs> we planned to go to, uh, the San Antonio rodeo in February. And then like a week before that, I just got the Dr. Z Stangray amp and I just set it up, recorded a video of me playing wasn't anything Brad related, didn't tag Brad, nothing like that, posted it. And he took that video and posted that one on his page and said something like, just posting this because it does the heart good, pick it, cowboy. I'm like, wow, he's really paying attention. <laughs> so that was cool. And then, yeah, we went to San Antonio and yeah. talked it out there. And then from there, he invited me to come to the Houston Rodeo and check out the rig at Soundcheck. So I was on the spinning stage in the middle of NRG Stadium with Dave, the guitar tech, as you know. Right. Watching him go to work just in the middle of this arena that I've been going to since I was a kid watching concerts uh, with <laughs> my hero's rig. And then from there, uh, I went, they invited me up to Cincinnati for a show, which was right after Nam. Um, I literally, I had a flight booked on like Saturday night to go to Cincinnati for the show and it got delayed and I had a connecting flight. It was all, it was this big old hoopla mess. So I wound up canceling all my flights, rented a car and drove to Cincinnati from Nashville and I'm from Houston, so I don't I don't know anything up there. Um, but got to Cincy and got to hang out with Brad um, after the show there for a good hour, just smoking cigars. And they were doing s'mores and cigars on the Ohio River. And because I guess why wouldn't you? Why yeah. not? You know, <laughs> Sunday night. Why not? And I talk. I got to talk to Brad for a good hour, and then that's when he said I should come to the Cleveland concert because you and Z were going to be there. And that's where that's we right. officially kind of met, I guess you could say. And you know what? That's the first time after seeing Brad for, I don't know what, eight, eight years now, eight or nine years, something like that. Yeah. Um, or at least, you know, if, like officially going and hanging out with him and stuff. Uh, that's the first time I've ever witnessed him telling someone to call out songs. Oh, for sound check. Oh my God. Yes. Cause <laughs> Because he was literally just talking to you, saying, "Pick, pick a song," and yeah. they just—it was like a jukebox, it was like so a Brad cool. Paisley jukebox. They did, they did long <laughs> sermon, with, and that was great. I love that song. And then I think, That's a, then I started yeah. throwing stuff out, and he was like, "Nope, don't remember it." I was like, "All I wanted was a car," and the band was like, "Uh, no." I was like, "She's her own woman." Was, uh, no, I'm trying to pick like songs where he rips on. He's like, "We'll do me neither." So they did me neither, and then they did Time Warp, and that's just. I still don't know how they play that song. That is too fast. It is incredibly fast. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was, that was a cool day, man. So, I mean, obviously you're in a band yourself, right? Yes. And if I understand correctly, I mean, you guys are doing sort of, I guess the circuit that they would call it around the Texas, the the Texas circuit. Yeah. I started in Houston. We're starting to branch out more now that I'm at uh, Texas A&M. Um, I quit baseball last year or this year, actually this spring to try to focus on music. Our first album came out in actually a year ago today, a year ago, December 7th, last year, our first album came out and we're getting, we have a song on the Texas radio charts right now. And we just released a new song on Spotify last week. So I'm trying to do all this stuff in school at the same time. And it's, it's hectic and it's crazy, but it's, it's good to be in college station cause it's so centrally located to all the college town bars and all that kind of stuff where guys my age usually play down here. So we're in a good position. So, I mean, it seems like at this point you're, I mean, you were in baseball at college, right? 
Yes, I played and three I, years of college baseball. Mm-hmm. And so I assume, like, you were thinking that was going to be your career trajectory is getting into sports. And Since I was something. three years old, man, it was all baseball. And then when I was 16, I picked up the guitar. And my freshman year in college, I tore my UCL, had Tommy John surgery in the fall. So I had a year off. And I played a lot of guitar. I went to a lot of open mics. And I watched this podcast all the time. <laughs> Wow, you needed something better to watch. I, dude, I was trying to learn about <laughs> Whopper pedals and all that stuff, man. And you and Travis and Max were were good entertainment. <laughs> you got bad taste, Hayden. We got we got to sit down and bad have taste. a beer sometime, man. All all four of us. We're gonna do a you guys reunion, and I'll come in there and we'll get Brad and I'll uh, call out songs. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. I'd probably pee my pants though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that I, I seriously, I watched, I watched the YouTube videos all the time. Uh, that that my freshman year of college. So, so how did, like, at what point? What what was the turning point where you're like, okay, I've been wanting to do baseball my entire life. I mm-hmm. think I actually want to play music for a living. Uh, I when I saw my freshman year that I could actually kind of do it, like play guitar and sing, and I started writing a little bit. I released my first song. Uh, January of 18, I think January of last year. And my dad made a lot of connections uh, when he, he used to do star security for the Houston rodeo. Um, so he had some connections that he, you know, he's not a music guy. It was just kind of a policeman job sort of thing. And, um, but he met all these people. And now that I started doing music, all these people have been sort of helping us out. And, uh, the, the defining moment though, when I said, all right, I'm done with baseball. I'm going full on music was this spring. It was our second, uh, series. We we're playing Cincinnati. <laughs> Funny. We we're playing Cincinnati at home after I was <laughs> with Brad in Cincinnati. Right. Um, so we had a home game at two o'clock and at six, I was opening for Wade Bowen at the Houston rodeo barbecue cook-off. And I told my coaches and they were cool that they said, you can leave early. And, uh, so they, uh, they didn't start me. They were going to let me leave like the seventh inning. Well, like the sixth inning rolls around and the coach goes, Baker, go to shortstop. I was like, uh, okay, I still got to leave in like 30 minutes. <laughs> he was like, I just go, come on, we need you out there. I'm like, oh, all right, all right, I'm going to go help the team, you know? So I go out there, I play two innings, I'm watching the clock. It's getting down to like five minutes to where I got to be in the truck heading towards the venue. And uh, <laughs> I come up to bat with the go-ahead run on second base in like the bottom of the eighth. I hit a double, I drive in the go-ahead run, <laughs> I call time, and I leave. <laughs> <laughs> Time out. I'm done. Time out. I'm out. I gotta go. <laughs> and I drove all the way to. I drove to my house. Like it was a crazy day. Like I set off the alarm. I didn't know the code. Like I just. I was like, screw it. I'm out of here. Like hopped in an Uber and went to the venue. And they were all like on stage. My band was on stage, ready to go. And I hopped on, put the guitar on, and we went. And after that day, I was exhausted. And I had another game the next day. I was like, I can't keep doing this crap. <laughs> I got to pick one. So um, I, I wound up missing three games because of Brad, because the San Antonio Rodeo was opening day for our baseball team. And our coaches were like, you need to go. You need to go meet Brad. So I didn't like that <laughs> that kind of uh, environment, like having to miss certain things. And I wanted to put my focus on one thing. So yeah, it's so hard to have – Kind of have a foot in both areas, you know what I mean? Like if you really kind of got to jump in one area or the other. 
absolutely. Basically anything, not just sports and music. But, for sure. Um, for sure in music, just because, I mean, so many people are trying to do it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's, there's uh, a lot of guys out there that are working harder than you, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. there's, yeah, it's it's intense, for sure. It is, I mean, it what, is. So, I mean, at this point, like, you're, uh, you've made albums, you're touring the circuit and and trying to get your music out there. What what kinds of things are you doing to try to reach new listeners? Absolutely. Um, well, uh, a good thing that's, uh, as far as the connections go, uh, Wade Bowen has been a huge help to us. He's a, he's a Texas artist that had a few Nashville hits. Um, he's been around for a while. In fact, Brent Long, that you know you and I know very well. Yeah, pays he, uh, Yeah. Wade used to write uh, for Seagill, which is Brad's publishing company that him and Chris Dubois and I think Kelly Loveless own or something. Yep. Yep. And uh, when I opened, I opened for Wade again in October this year, September this year at a county fair. And Brent texted Wade and told him I'd be there and everything and said, take care of me and all that stuff. You know, being Brent, the nice guy he is. And um, we killed the show. Wade pulled me up on stage with their band and we, I think we played midnight rider together. He let me take a solo and it was a lot of fun. And then after the fact, he put me in touch with, uh, Chris Dubois, who is, you know, the, one of Nashville's best songwriters who wrote almost all of Brad's hits with him. Um, he put me in touch with Chris. So, and he also put me in touch with, uh, Henry Glasscock with William Morris, WME, um, the booking agency out in Nashville that pretty much books everybody down here in Texas. And they signed Brad too, I think. Um, and so in January, I'm flying up to Nashville to meet with Chris and Seagal and Henry with WME to see if we can't work some stuff out there. So they've been great, um, as far as booking and, and the songwriting side of things go. And then uh, other thing is just, I mean, you know how it is. You got to grind on social media. You got to, you know, do all the advertisements and make sure you got the quality content on there. And then for me, it's just, it's getting out and playing shows in front of these college kids and, you know, hopefully they like it and continue to follow us. Right. Yep. So your, I think it was your website I saw where you kind of self-described yourself as more of a nineties country artist. Yeah. I, um, I'm, I'm a huge nineties fan. I grew up on like Brooks and Dunn and Alan Jackson. Those are my two big favorites. And I love, I love the sonic quality of those records. You know, all Brent Mason's guitar parts, obviously, um, stuff like that. Just the steel and fiddle. And it was so, the production was so crisp and so clear. That's another thing I guess I really enjoyed about that music. Um, and the, the art of songwriting being like, you're telling a story like they used to do back then. That's what I really relate to. But I do like, I have, I love all kinds of different things. Like I love metal, like Metallica and, you know, pre and post black album Metallica. I love listening to that stuff. Like a band sevenfold because I'm working out. I can't listen to cluster pluck, you know, that doesn't really work. <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't really get you fired up. Um, I can relate. Yeah. So yeah, I've got all these different, so we like, we're about ready to release a new song. It'll probably be closer to the summer, maybe in the spring. Uh, that's, it's, I guess the best way to just des- to describe it would be like a Cajun rock song. It's, it's really, really interesting. It's got a cool groove to it and I'm excited for that one. So this, our next pro our first project was really traditional but the next one is going to have a lot more like blues rock influences into it, infusing with the country. Kind of like, I guess the best way to describe it would be 
some songs off of Paisley's album, Love and War, you know, where he was kind of yep. infusing some of those rock guitar playing stuff and like Drive a Shame and things like that. So, yeah, right. man, I'm just trying to be unique. And the I guess the cool thing is down here in Texas, there's not really anybody singing and playing Brad Paisley-esque lead parts. So I think that's my niche down here. And then we'll see where it goes from there. So what, what kind of gear are, are you playing out on the road? And, and And is that gear different than what you're recording with? Uh, on the road, I actually just got, uh, and Brad and Z himself talked me into it. I got the Z-Rec, uh, the quantum silver set. That thing's an animal. Um, we used it live. We had a show in college station a couple weeks ago. It was the first time I got to crank it open live and it's a beast. Um, I, I had used for the longest time I was using the, the hot rod deluxe. Um, I think it was the, the third one that they did. Um, and I had, cause I was going for that Paisley sound. I had the hot rod deluxe, the ACE 30. And, uh, I think, I think I used the Paisley drive too. And man, really? it, it nailed it. Like there's some, really? video, there's some videos on my YouTube, maybe of me playing some stuff, some Brad stuff from like three or four years ago. And I was using that setup and it's, it sounds just like it. Like it was incredible. Um, I love that little ACE 30 pedal, man. <laughs> that that was a weird pedal i i think that it, i mean it was popular for a short period of time then it com- like interest completely dropped off yeah and when i would talk to people it shows it seemed like everyone was kind of using it how i wasn't intending on it being used i mean because my my idea w- with it was really like really like in your situation where you have a completely different amp than a vox absolutely you know, in- absolutely completely different and so you can use this pedal as kind of like a preamp sort of thing for sure and then in that way you can just like kick it on and off when you need like a Vox sounding tone, you know? Definitely. And it Definitely. seemed like, like pe- people would turn the gain up and be like, Oh, it sounds terrible. And I'm like, I know don't turn the gain up. It's not, <laughs> it's not for that. It's, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be a clean, a clean, clean boost. Yeah. It's a little bit of a clean preamp boost. It was great, man. I loved it. And then when I, my, um, I brought a steel player into my band who was an even bigger Paisley nut than I was. Like he had a, McVeigh G Bender Telecaster yellow with the black Paisley pit guard, all that wow. kind of stuff. And he had a, a Maz 18, uh, red head and, um, head and cab set. And I saw that and I was like, dude, can I buy that from you? Like, please. This was like three years ago. He was like, no, nah, I don't know, man. I was like, dude, please. I want a Dr. ZF so bad. <laughs> and he let me buy it off of him. And he apparently had kicked the crap out of it because I spent like almost a year sending it to different guys because it would just it would crap out at shows it would the tubes would do all that kind of stuff and i could not get it through a show i could not and finally i got it to a guy who figured out the problem and i don't even remember what it was now but um so i've had that amp for a long time and the last two years has been awesome it's been great and uh i use when you release the uh, the paisley deluxe i started using the underdog circuit for a lot of uh solos where I think even Brad explained this too. He uses it for what he's playing like high up on the neck on a telly. So it doesn't sound so thin, right. you know, I use that a lot now. And then I got, I got a deal on the Stangray back in January. I got that. And then now I just got the, the Z-Rec quantum silver set. So you could say I'm <laughs> rolling in dough when it comes to boutique gear. <laughs> so is, I really enjoy the, it. Is that the same stuff that you're using whenever you're recording? The first, so the first record, um, was the Maz. I used the Maz, okay. um, cause we recorded that 
in the summer of 18. Um, so okay. Guitargasm, the song you played, or ha- I don't know if you played it already or we'll play it. Uh, we'll, the- we'll play it here, here right before we close off here. Perfect. So when you hear that instrumental, um, that's, I believe that was the Maz. And I might have had the Paisley Drive on. I, I can't remember. I know I had the, um, the Maz and then a D2 for some slapback. That was before yep. my DD2 crapped out. And, you know, that's what me and you and Brad were actually talking about that, about what you can make. Um, right. He loves that DD2 circuit, but they, they crap out within a month sometimes. But, uh, yeah, it was the Maz. And then uh, I think the Paisley Drive was on, like a little bit of low gain. And then I had some slapback on. Um, and then the other songs, we had a lot of ballads on the first record. Mm-hmm. So it was it was mostly clean stuff through the through the Maz. I used the ethereal first um, delay and reverb on "Let Me In," which is a ballad that's on our our first mm-hmm. record. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean it's, it's pretty simple, man. Just a, a telly into the Z amp with some slapback on it, and then if I need a little bit of overdrive, I either use the Paisley drive or you might sound shocked. I use the Boss Blues driver. Sometimes. No, yeah, that's a great pedal. Yeah, yeah I use that absolutely. a few times. And I just recently got that uh, the Keeley Tone Workstation that's got the 808 circuit, the yep. the Katana, and the compressor. And I've been really liking that 808 circuit. And it's got that the 1962 like switch yes. where you can get yep. that little blues breaker sound for the, you know, the old Marshall amps. I've been using that one a lot with the stangray and it really beefs up the low end i really like huh. that yeah i you know i've i've heard a lot about those pedals and i don't know why i don't have one but that's one that i don't have yeah i got it so. i i might it, it's it's kind of clunky on my board i'm trying to like downsize it because right now i don't have you know dave behind me <laughs> you know hitting all my pedals for me i gotta do it myself you know that's the right. hard, that is the biggest challenge for me is making sure i finish whatever line i'm singing and then hit the pedal I got to hit and then go hit the solo. So, so does it feel like gear kind of becomes a distraction because you are the singer, so you're the front person. Yes. So is, is gear kind of a distraction in, in that moment? Or I mean, I know there's some sort of, some sort of weird love hate thing where it could be, you know, it, it becomes I, I a pain. To, yeah. I tried to simplify it. And the, I guess the best way that I simplify it now is I just crank my amp up so damn loud that I don't have to worry about hitting a boost pedal or something. Um, I think for me, the the biggest challenge is, is delays right now because I'm trying to educate myself because I'm still a young player. I've only been playing guitar six years now, I think. And I'm still trying to educate myself on delays and you know proper things like that. So I always usually have a slap back on. And then for ballads, obviously, you want some longer delays. So I've got like, I have the, the DD3 right now, the Aquapus, which I'm loving for slap back. The mm-hmm. Ethereal... Yep. And that big old blue TC electronic flashback. Yeah. That's like the, that's big, got the, the big tap tempo. Yeah. The real big yep. one. And I have a bunch of different settings saved on them. And I'll just, I like to just try different things out at the live shows. So right. it can get distracting, but it's a good distraction. You know, it's, it's what, it's what keeps us enjoying it, man. Us gearheads. Yeah. Have, have you ever thought about going like the Kemper or fractal route and just getting rid of the amp, the pedals and just doing it all from that? Nope. <laughs> now I, I just, I love the feel of it. I love the feel of the amp. I have, I have a buddy at the church I play at sometimes that has a Kemper and man, he makes it sound great. And you know, it's, it's really, it's, those are really, really cool uh, tools to use for your instrument. But 
Uh, I'm a traditionalist through and through, like when it comes to music, when it comes to amps, I want, I want old guitars, you know, and I like, I like to feel it, man. I like to feel it on stage. Hmm. So, I mean, I guess that's, uh, how do I put this? Cause I, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to say something that's, um, you know, some people are going to say, well, you just, you, you're totally making fun of Fractal or you're totally putting down Kemper or whatever. So I don't mean it that yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. But um, I mean, actually me, uh, go ahead, go ahead. me, me personally, like those seem like they were always really convenient. Even yeah. Like on, you know, it, it seems like a, a really convenient thing to use, but it's always felt like it's never felt inspiring. True. And I know That's, that yes. sounds kind of cheesy. Like when I plug into like a loud amp and it's in the room with me, it just, I write, you know, I'll write different parts or I'll play different rather than, you know, if I'm plugging into it, whether it's a fractal, whether it's uh, you know, through logic pro and I'm running different plugins or something like I can get the job done and make something happen. But Absolutely. It, it's just, uh, it feels like it just doesn't feel the same, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a feel thing. And you know, it is what it is. I'm not knocking camper or fractal cause it's obviously a cool, it's a great tool. And I've used it in a couple studio situations sometimes and it, it nails certain tones, but yeah, the, you know, there's something about just cranking open an amp. It's, it's kind of poetic, I think. So when you're looking at new gear, what, what kind of things are you looking for? Not, not specifically what types of pedals, but mm-hmm. are you thinking that I'm, I'm wanting to a certain sound on this particular song and therefore I need a, you know, a fuzz or a delay or whatever, or are you buying gear thinking, well, if I buy this gear, maybe I can write a cool lick with it. Like, how oh, that's are you a, that's a good it? question. Um, I would say right, right now I'm in the, what's, what's best for this song area. And I'm more so looking at trying to expand because the, the first record you'll hear, like it was just, most of all the, there's seven songs. Most of all the parts were that, you know, guitar to the Z with a delay. And that was all of it. And then I, I went to the, I had a middle pickup on my telly for one of the, the let me in song. And I put it on the bridge and middle switch for that little Vince Gill type tone. Mm-hmm. And I use it on that song, but that was it. There wasn't any, you know, sonic difference as far as my guitar playing. So now I'm trying to explore different kinds of sounds. And like I said, I really like, I, even today I was listening to some of the songs on the Metallica black album, like not, not inner Sandman and you know, those, <laughs> all of those like, uh, of Wolf and man and, and, uh, the God that failed. And there's, right. I, I really like that, that crunch, but I also like the crisp clarity of a British amp. So kind of trying to mix those sounds together. And, and like I said, I'm just, I'm still young and I'm still learning about all this different stuff, but I guess I'm hoping I'll stumble on something inspiring too at the same time. And that's where like delays and, and verbs and stuff like that can come into play. You'll, that's what I love about effects. It'll make you write something you probably wouldn't have written if you were just straight into an app with no effects, you know? Right. Yep. So. Yeah. That's the craziest thing. Like, I mean, obviously one of the things I do is we're always working on all different types of effects. Right. So, right. I'll des- we'll design something. Sometimes it's uh, one of my designs or one of my engineer's designs. They usually do more of the digital side stuff. Definitely. And, um, you know, I'll, we'll, I'll get a sample back, or, which is like a, a prototype, right? Uh-huh. Get a couple of prototypes. And, you know, we may make a couple different prototypes and 
let's say three or four different prototypes, all a little bit different design. And I may pick one of those and be like, all right, this is probably a, a good design to move forward with and we can tweak it from here. Yeah. Um, but, th but there are times where I take one of those, one of those prototypes and just in the, just while like testing it out and seeing what I think, which really involves just kind of playing around with it. Kind of like you'd go to a music store and just play all different kinds of licks and see what happens. Right. Same sort, of, same sort of thing, thing whenever you're messing with prototypes, but there's a lot of times where I'll, um, when I stumble on something and I'm like, Oh wow, that's a cool little lick. And if that makes me want to then like move to logic pro and then like write a little, you know, not, not really a song, but I'll write like little snippets. Yeah. Yeah. Where I'll, you know, I'll record like a little rhythm part, maybe, maybe a little chorus or a bridge or something. And I'll just throw some easy drummer or some logic pro drums on there. And I'll just save it as like guitar riff, December 2019, you know, yeah. something like that. And so I have like all these guitar riff files. But anyways, whenever I, whenever I, um, whenever it inspires me to like do something like that, that's when I start thinking, oh, this is, this is a cool effect. Definitely. <laughs> Even if it's like an 100%. overdrive or something. But yeah. If it, if it just feels inspiring, I'm like, okay, this is, this is a cool thing. I need to, I need to move forward with this design because there are some times where it sounds really good in like the design phase on the breadboard. And mm -hmm. then when I get the actual, you know, this, with the sample back, which has, you know, it's basically the, the circuit board and everything like it would be on the finished version. It's just, uh, you know, the sampleized version of that. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it just doesn't sound the same. It doesn't always sound bad. It just doesn't sound the exact same, you know, and sometimes agree, you can, man. you can tweak things out and make it work, but there's other times you're like, eh, that's just not really what I was going for. You know? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. like I here recently, I've been into fuzz a lot. Do you like fuzz? Man, I haven't gotten into it yet, but I I really want to. I want to try a bunch of different things and and see what comes out. But uh, yeah, you yeah, I seen you released the the frustration and yep. uh, and uh, yeah, and you have the the velvet one too, the velvet fuzz. I have the velvet fuzz, yeah. And there's I've, for some reason, I've always kind of. I mean, I've always liked fuzz, but it wasn't. I wasn't really enamored with it. You know, I wasn't uh -huh. just uh, obsessed with it. And here for about the past year. I don't know. I don't know how many fuzz prototypes I've made, but I've made a ton of them. And Is that mostly, why it was called the frustration? Because you were so frustrated <laughs> about getting it out there. A little bit. I was <laughs> that. You know, it's it's so weird with um, with designing pedals. It's kind of like I was equated to playing music for a living and writing music for a living because by the time by the time that pedal has come out to market i've mm -hmm. played that pedal so much i've been over it multiple multiple times like like for example we just released this terraform yeah i've i've been playing this terraform almost every day for like 18 months wow different like different versions of it but yeah i mean because we're always tweaking and changing it until we get to the final version but mm -hmm. now i've played it so much i'm I'm like sick of it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it just, it just came out, you know, it, yeah. and I, I always joke, I like this must, this must be uh, what it's like whenever you have a hit song and you play it every night for, mm -hmm. you know, like a year and a half. Well, hell, I mean, I can relate <laughs> to that too when it comes to songwriting, because like everyone asks me, do you listen to your songs on iTunes? I'm like, no. They're like, why? <laughs> I was like, because I listen to them for months and months and months to make sure it's where it needs to be before it actually comes out. By the time it comes out, I'm like, all right, what's next? You know? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think there's um I'm guessing that there's a lot of people who haven't who play music for a hobby but are not trying to do it for a living. And mm-hmm. um the, that's probably something that a lot of people don't really kind of get is that you generally don't want to listen to your own songs because you've played them so much or heard them so much. Oh yeah. It's 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 like listening to the same songs over and over every day for year, you know, year on end. Definitely. You know, so. Definitely. I, the only reason I'd listen to it is to listen to like, this is the guitar player in me. I listen to my solos and I'm like, was that good? Oh, I don't, I should have played this here. You know, this tone could have been better on this one. That's the only reason I'd actually listen to the songs now. Yeah. So when you're kind of to, uh, um, you know, looking at that process, whenever you're recording your solos for your songs, are you, are you coming up with those before you record or are you, are you in the studio and kind of piecing those together or what's that process? Look like? Oh man, that was that first, the, the first time when we were in the studio last summer or for me, the first time being in the studio, I was so nervous because I had the songs, I had the lyrics, I had everything, you know, ready to go as far as, um, charting and just everything was ready. But the solos, I was like, I want these to be perfect. You know, this is, this is what I love. This is what got me into it. I want these solos to just be absolutely perfect. And so I, for that first record, also the, we actually, I'll tell you a story about guitar gasm after this. We, we didn't plan on doing an instrumental. I had six songs. We we're going to do a six song EP. And I spent hours and hours in my uh, music room, just writing solos before I got to the studio. Cause I wanted to go in there and just be like, I got this, let's go. And it didn't quite work out that way. I, the stuff I planned, ended up turning into other things. And that's I was learning as I was going, you know, and, um, through the creative process, I kind of found that if you just, you just let your brain shut off for a little bit and just let your fingers fly. If you've done this, you know, your homework and you studied what you need to study for these certain songs and a certain style you're playing, just let the emotion come out and do that. And so near the end of our studio time, I started to kind of employ that more, but I definitely was before that. I was like, man, I got to get these solos like completely charted out and in my brain and ready to go. And when I got to the studio, the producers were like, nah, man, chill out, like relax, <laughs> just, just go, just have fun with it. And then so it's probably sounding a little bit mechanical. I would have to guess. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really did. You know, and that's so this, we're going in actually over Christmas break. When I get done with school here next week, we're going to start, getting ready for our next project. I've got about eight or nine songs that we're kind of sifting through and going to see which ones we're going to put out. That's a whole nother world is, you know, the music industry today, whether to put out singles or EPs or full length albums and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, I digress. Yeah. Yeah, It seems like, it seems like everyone's putting out singles and not so many albums. And, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, and I don't know. I honestly don't know this side of the business that well. I, I would assume it's because no one really cares if you put out an album. People's attention spans <laughs> are shorter now. You know, you put out a song and it lasts about like two weeks. And they're like, all right, come on, you know. And I don't know. It, it's it's crazy. I'm still I'm still learning that too. But as far as the instrumental goes, we were done with the guitar work. The everything was done as far as instruments go. I was just gonna go in. Um, this was a Thursday. I was going to go in the next Monday and cut final vocals. And that was all, that was it. And it was going to be finished. And this was like in August of last year. And I was sitting down with my rhythm player at the time, trying to write some songs, you know, just see if we can come up with anything. And he goes, dude, you should cut an instrumental. I'm like, I don't know where to start with an instrumental. Are you kidding me? 
he was like, I don't care, man. Nobody's playing guitar like this down here and, and nobody's cutting instrumentals anymore. You should do it. And him and my grandmother, who I'm actually at her place right now doing this interview. Um, she was the other one. She said, you should do an instrumental because she's a big jazz instrumental fan. She was actually just playing some while we were cooking dinner in the house. But, um, <laughs> and they, and I was like, I don't even know where to start. You got to tell a story without saying any words. You know, I, I have no idea. And I sat down and we were just trying to write songs. And I came up with that little lick that you'll hear at the beginning of Guitargasm. And it's just, you know, it's country shred and a, it's like a hot wired kind of thing. It's not as good as hot wired, but <laughs> it's my attempt. Um, and I started coming up with parts. I came up with that section and then I took like another section where I went to like the minor six to a flat seven to a one and did some stuff there and then just started coming up with solo ideas. And I was like, Holy crap. I actually have an idea for an instrumental. So I called my producer the next day. I was like, Hey, we're not doing vocals on Monday. We're going to come in, come in and cut an instrumental. And he was like, huh? I was like, yeah, just trust me. I was like, okay. So I, I sent him like a rough video of like what I want to do with it. And I get there on Monday and he's like, are you sure you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, we'll be fine. It's all good. We'll do it. And then three hours later we had guitar gas. <laughs> it was a crazy experience, man. Huh? So it just kind of flowed out then. Yeah. I had like the, I, I came up with the sections. Like there's like an A section, a B section. What would be, I guess you consider a chorus cause it repeats a few times. And then there was some solo sections in the middle and it's just, it's two and a half minutes of drums, bass and me pretending I can play guitar. <laughs> All right, so that actually now here, this is a good time to take a listen to that. So this is Guitargasm. Off what, what, which album is this called? Born in the Wrong Generation was what it was called. That's right. All right, let's listen to it. Ah, uh, let me pick on this thing here. Y'all ready? Here we go. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right, that was great, man. Wow, thank you, dude. I appreciate that. That was fun. That's a fun it, one to it, play live. It, rem- it reminds me if you take Brad Paisley and Brent Mason and you lock them into a room and they have some sort of weird love child, that's oh, what man. it reminds me of. That's me. I'm the love child. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I ever wanted to be. <laughs> no, it's uh, I forget what the name of the song is. I'm sorry, I'm terrible with names, but there was, I think it was the first song on that album. I heard the opening guitar lick, and it reminded me of first song. Oh, uh, how many beers that on my album? You talking yes. about that one? Yeah, it reminded yeah. me of the first song of Brad Paisley's first album, which was um, Long Sermon. Time. Long Sermon, yes. That's what that like the opening lick reminded me of. That even in tone yeah. and tonality, it was, it was just it was just crazy how close you got to that. I appreciate that. Uh, it, it's got to be careful. You know, you don't want to be like a Brad Paisley copycat. And I've been, you know, the last couple of years, I'm like, all right, chill out. I know we love Brad, but let's try <laughs> to find our own path here. You know, come on. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely was going for a, a Brad, ba- Brad Paisley, Brent Mason, and you know, Daniel Donato, right? You've oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Daniel, yeah. yeah I, he's a wonderful dude. Yeah. I stole some of his licks in that uh, guitar guys and instrumental too. Um, it was kind of an homage to all of my chicken picking heroes, I guess. Yeah. In there. Yeah. I, yeah. I totally, now that you say it, I could hear some Daniel in it. Dan, Daniel's, he picks so fast and oh my so God, clean. Yeah. And so clean. I, yes. Like it's just, it's incredibly clean. And he's, I don't think he's human. I, I, I don't think, think dude, he is incredibly talented. <laughs> he's so nice too. Yeah. I actually met him he down is. here. Yeah. We were in Sugarland, Texas at the smart financial center. And, um, I think it was Allison Krauss was playing and this guy D white was opening and Daniel Donato. I knew he was there because he put on his Instagram story. Hey, I'm in Sugarland, Texas, whatever. And I was like, what? I got to go see this guy. So I, I called, um, the guy that I knew at smart financial and I was like, Hey, can you get me in tonight? He was like, yeah. You want to see Allison Krauss? I was like, no, the opener. He was like, there's an opener. I was like, yeah, it's, it, this guy, I just want to see the guitar player. <laughs> you know, he was like, <laughs> okay. So I, he gets me in and I got to watch Daniel play and meet Daniel and kind of hang backstage with him. And I think they threw me a guitar and I, I played a little bit of guitar guys. And he was like, Oh man, you know, Daniel's just the nicest guy. Yeah. He is. And, um, when I was up there in Nashville for Nam, I went and saw one of his shows and got to hang with him for a little bit. So he's great, man. He is. He's yeah. a freak. He's unbelievably talented. <laughs> he's crazy. So, all right. So we're about 40 minutes in this. So I, I want to make sure before we close out here that, um, we tell everyone what your, I know you have a YouTube channel. I don't know if you're, are you still doing stuff on your YouTube? I need to get back into it. I haven't in a while. I think I've released like a few guitar covers and vocal covers like over the past few months, but not as much as I used to. Okay. So not so much there, but your Instagram, what's your, your My, uh, Instagram page? So I actually, I have two accounts and the reason is, is, um, I think it was two summers ago. I realized, I realized that my main account, which is Hayden Baker music, which you can follow me there for all of our show dates and, you know, music career stuff. And, uh, there's some personal stuff on there too. Um, that's my main account. And then I was like, you know what? I want to just do a guitar account for fun. Just, you know, for all my friends that appreciate guitar playing and I made it. And that's the one like you follow. That's the one Paisley follows. I think Brent Mason follows it. Donato, all it's turned into like a crazy, just all my chicken picking guys like Z and all these guys follow this account. I'm like, well, 
now I'm stuck with two accounts. I got <laughs> got to go with it. So that one's <laughs> Hayden Baker guitar. And that's where I just post a bunch of guitar solo covers or, you know, licks from my songs or what have you. But, right. and that, that's also my communication with Brad. We actually talked this morning, <laughs> me and Brad huh. did about beer. <laughs> um, cause when I was in Cincinnati, he had like some kind of Guinness blonde or something. Yeah. I told him I finally found it down here in Texas and he was like, really? Oh, it took him a minute, but that's my only like segue to communicate with him now is that, <laughs> is that account? So we, we talk every once in a while. Um, I, we talked about his little special that he did on ABC, which was hilarious. Yeah. Um, I still haven't seen that yet. I, I was, was actually great. looking for it today. And he so actually does a little bit of cannonball ragging there too. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, but Very we cool. yeah me and him talk quite a bit on there. So I I got to keep that account. So I got Hayden Baker music and uh, Hayden Baker guitar on Instagram. We got Hayden Baker music on Facebook, and I think it's Hayden underscore Baker uh, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, Spotify and Apple Music and iTunes. Just search Hayden Baker, and we got eight songs out right now. And and uh, do you have a website up? Yeah, HaydenBakerMusic.com. That has all our uh, tour dates. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm actually going to be in uh, Vegas in the next week for really? NFR, playing two shows up in Vegas. And then, uh, yeah, I'll be up in Nashville in January to meet with some guys and hopefully some more shows like that come out of it. So that's awesome. It's been fun, man. It was great talking to you. I'm so it's so cool being you know looking back at that 19 year old kid. That was watching all the Chase and Tone podcasts, and now I'm on it. It's ridiculous, man. It's so cool. It's quite underwhelming, isn't it? <laughs> Shut up. You're, you're crazy, man. You're crazy. Uh, yeah, well, thanks for having it, man. They're having it. Th- thanks for hosting the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on here, Hayden. That's been you're great. welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, uh, th- well, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Not a problem. Hopefully we can do it. Uh, oh, man, English is hard. Hopefully we can do it again soon. Thank you for listening to the Chasing Tone podcast. As always, if you have any comments, questions, or concern, you can email podcast at wamplerpedals.com, and I'll personally get your email. And uh, just a side note here, I would love to hear your thoughts on this sort of format. A little bit more of a, you know, sort of an interview sort of thing, more of a conversation, because I'm not a big fan of, like, a technical interview. But anyways, if you like this podcast, make sure to share it with your friends, your bandmates, others into guitar podcasts. If you'd like to show your support for the show, the simplest and free way to do that is just go to the iTunes store or your favorite podcast app and leave us a positive review there. Seriously, that helps us out a lot. You can also check out WamplerPedals.com, which is, you know, our website, and uh, see what kind of new fun stuff we have. We have a lot of new shirts up, actually, as well, and putting more type, we call it merch, but it's just all kinds of stuff that's Wampler branded and some of the, not even Wampler branded, just guitar-oriented type of thing. So I think you'll really get a kick out of it. Uh, Some cool stuff up on there. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.